The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the what waits for you and the what's breaking through of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and so to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who will always be there. Josh, how are you doing this evening? I... I'm okay. <laughs> All things considered. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's better than bad. I mean, yes. I I would be crazy to argue that. <laughs> Sorry. I'm I googled the song. I know, I saw you googling the Did song. You, well, I saw you, you saw copying it. it from the notes. <laughs> so we're I mean we're just jumping straight to the song, which is fine, which is fine, but uh yeah, Josh One OK Rock Clock Strikes. Never heard of them. They're Japanese. I can see that. Yeah, so half the half the uh, lyrics are in Japanese. Probably more than half, actually. A lot of the time, some of the songs is completely Japanese in the lyrics, and I have no idea what they're saying. But darn it, if it is not catchy pop rock music that I can't get enough of, uh, I really do like One OK Rock. They're pretty darn great. Look, you got me two weeks in a row with Volbeat and now One OK Rock. Are it you, sounded are you really good. Oh, were you listening to some? I'm going to, whenever I listen to one song, typically the one you're recording, and then if I like it, I will follow them on Spotify or I'll download an album and listen to it when I can. Gotcha. Well, hopefully you enjoy it. Like I said, I know it's definitely not for everyone because sometimes when folks are speaking a different language, it does make it a little more challenging, but there's just something oh. about music where... So you can still get the general gist of what's going on, you know? I love K-pop, so this would not be a problem for me. Uh, Perfect. As long as, I mean, there obviously is, it's important when you can understand the lyrics, but sometimes a message can be conveyed without having to hear the music. Uh, oh, absolutely. Music. You know, just like Blackpink. I love, yeah, yeah. People I so. love. I the Blackpink is about the only K-pop I I know. So uh, well, <laughs> once I start doing show titles, I'll add some some K-pop in there for you. That isn't that's Blackpink. fine. I'm down. I'm down. I I know of other K-pop bands, but like Blackpink is the only one that I have actively listened to uh, numerous their music numerous times. Yeah. So yeah. But gotcha. Well, Josh, how's your weekend been so far? Ooh, how's my weekend been? What did I do yesterday? What is time? Saturday. It's been okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. The weather we get a um, we get another hot uh, a week ahead of us, so the weather kind of perked up and got nice and warm. So we spent some time in the pool yesterday. Not actually, I say pool. I make it sound like I have a house with a in-ground pool with our 
tiny little like three foot inflatable pool in the backyard with the kid, which is all the same to him. What was that? Do you remember that convention that had the ball pit that everyone made fun of? You know no. what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh gosh, I'll. Maybe at some point I'll look it up here. Gaming convention with a ball. There was some sort of gaming convention, and it talked about. I think it was a gaming convention at least, and they gave people like free access to the ball pit because things weren't going well. But the the ball pit was literally like an inflatable pool with balls thrown in. Like (laughs) that's hilarious. Yeah, as though people (laughs) were making huge jokes about the ball pit. So it just reminded me of when you're like, "Oh, my pool," and then it was just you know a small blow up pool, and they're like, "Oh, go check out our ball pit." Yeah. So, (laughs) but hey, you know, having something like that is is a nice little option. You don't necessarily have to have these big extravagant pools to to still have them serve their purpose. You know? Yeah. And I went and I, I went to the theater today, the first time in about three years. Uh, since That's a been long time. In the movie theater. Yeah, it has been a long time. Not much has changed. Uh, there was still, uh, even though there were only six people in the theater, there were still the annoying people in front of us. Excellent. Um, the chairs are still squeaky. The floors are still relatively sticky. sticky. <laughs> Less sticky. Um, there was a constant noise coming from the projector room that sounded like crackling fire. I wasn't able to figure out what it was, but it was so loud. <laughs> I kept thinking to myself, you know, I could be in my living room right now. I could pause this and get up and get a beer or go to the bathroom. But no, here I am. I'm, and I'm downplaying it a little bit. It was nice to go back to the theater with, you know, the loud booming sound and and the darkness of it all. There's, it has its ups and downs, but it, I always am reminded... I'm overpaying to see a movie for that experience with everything else on top of it. I wanted to get French fries, Kyle. I was like, this theater, they have French fries at the French fries at your theater. Yes. They have you. You don't have like food in your theaters. Food, food. I mean, popcorn. Nachos is about as crazy as it gets. We have a theater. Literally chips with cheese dip. That's it. (laughs) We have a theater that if you press a button, a waiter comes to your seat. Uh, no, see, we, we do not have they'll that. They'll bring you a beer, or they'll bring you chicken tenders, or uh, a pulled pork sandwich. What? Yeah, full menus. Not this theater. This one is a different one. That's called AMC Dine-In. Um, but this one, they usually, they have like uh, Nathan's Hot Dogs, and then they have Ben & Jerry's. They have pizza, which is like Sabaro pizza, if you know what that is. Yeah. And then they have french fries, which is what I always get. You can get chili fries too if you want, but I go, I get the french fries. They're always nice and crispy. They had half of it shut down. They were just had two old pizzas sitting out under the heat lamp. <laughs> My buddy was like, do you think that pizza is good? And I was like, ah, probably not. He was like, it looks good. <laughs> I was like, well, don't, we're <laughs> not getting it. it. <laughs> Did he get it? No, he didn't get it. He didn't oh, get it. man. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think what we need to do is we need to take respective trips to each other's states and, yeah. and do like a long weekend where we take each other around and do things that we wouldn't normally be able to do where we are from. Well, I, here's the problem though, Josh, is I think 
that probably anything I can do in my state, you can do, but better in yours. I, I don't that's know that that's problem. true. What about these corn things you tell me about? <laughs> oh, you don't have corn. You don't have corn stands, though. I mean, no, or corn fairs or whatever the heck you guys oh, do out well, there. Yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> But every but every town has like their <laughs> day, you know, like they have their whatever days. Like everybody has that. Yeah. It's well, different things. Then you come here, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I just yeah. We we have a pretty nice theater. The big deal for our theater uh was when we got, you know, stadium seating with mm. reserved seats, like everything reclining, like that, and that just happened two years ago three years ago like that's pretty wow. recent for us so like we're we're a bit behind I, I you know i listen to these well when i when i listen to podcasts funny story about that but i listen to all these i used to listen to all these like movie review podcasts and they all talk about all these fancy theaters i was like we don't, we don't got any of this and maybe you know des moines or iowa city does but definitely where i live we do not yeah so that's okay that's okay you still get this simple movies. life I used to go to airport cinemas on Cape Cod. It was uh, the smallest rinky-dinky theater. It was one Mm -hmm. level. I remember (laughs) going to see Stigmata there. I was by by myself um, because I was living there by myself. There was nobody in the theater, and the projectionist didn't show up, so I was just sitting in a pitch-black theater for... 25 minutes until I was like, I should probably go ask. If you, some, that was a long time yeah. to wait, Josh. And then they they did play the movie and I watched it by myself in an in a empty theater in pitch black. <laughs> yeah. And that a rundown, broken chair, sticky floor, old Cape Cod theater. Yeah. When I uh, was growing up, the theater in my hometown was really, really rough. It When you drove by it, uh, it just looked really sketch, and it has now been updated. Like it's not a movie theater anymore; it's something else now. But when you drive by it now, it looks like something else happens there that uh, is for adults only. Oh. But um, <laughs> horse when it was racing. Movie the- What's that? Horse racing. Yeah, horse racing. Okay. Exactly, Josh. <laughs> uh, but when you used to drive, when you used to go there, and I didn't go to a lot of movies when I was a kid, um, or growing up, I should say, in general, very rarely did I go to movies. But yeah, it was it was trash, right? The seats were really squeaky. Like you would have you couldn't wear flip flops because you they get left behind, right? Like you'd right. be like stuck and you'd be like, oh no. Uh so I always had to wear shoes and stuff. But uh, I had a friend who worked there in high school and uh one weekend somebody attempted to rob the theater and walked in like with a hammer. That was like the weapon they used was a hammer. And my my friend is not the person who did this, but, but the story they tell, the the yarn they spin, and maybe this is exactly what happened. I don't really know, but the, what the story was was that this person walked in, and I do know the attempt happened because it was in the news. But this person walked in to rob the theater, and when they asked the uh, person at the ticket counter for all the money, they're like, "Uh, you know where you're at, right? Like we don't have any money." <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the person just turned around and left. Wrong place. Uh, so, that, so that's that's the story about uh, when somebody tried to rob that theater. Is they were just like, yeah, uh, we don't have any money, and the person just left. So again, I, I don't actually know if that's exactly the way that happened, but I, I do know that it was attempted to be robbed, uh, and they did not get away with much if they did get away with anything. So you know, that was my old theater. Oh yes, the good stuff. <laughs> 
So anything else, Josh, we want to touch on before we, you know, get to the show proper? No, we just we just got a Twitter question, so I'm quickly, quickly adding it in. Excellent. Speaking of Twitter, uh, really quick, Josh, before we move on, because this isn't a topic, but I think it's something we should talk about. Uh, <laughs> so that Dice Tower Twitter, eh? Yeah, what the heck? Twitter, yeah, so, and Twitter's uh, not protecting them and like getting their name back. Yeah, I know. It's very interesting. So if you don't know, listener, and if you are someone who follows the Dice Tower on Twitter, uh, the Dice Tower's Twitter and all that was hacked. And it is now like a PS5 deals slash tracking Twitter. Like yeah. that is what they are doing. Uh, and yep, they just, somebody, they hacked it and turned it into that. And Twitter, it basically did nothing about it. So now the Dice Tower is like starting over with their Twitter. And it's just a really weird situation. So you have all these board game people being like, why am I getting all these PS5 notifications all of a sudden? Like what's going on here? Uh, it's just so weird that you would hack someone's Twitter and then that's what you do is you just turn it into a PS5 stock slash deals Twitter? That just seems weird, right, Josh? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's they wanted an account with followers. I don't, and I guess that's a good thing for Dice Tower. <laughs> right, that's true. They did have a lot of followers, and now they have a lot less. Yeah, so if, if you're listening, um, go follow uh, New Dice Tower. Um, Which is at the dice tower, right? Yeah, because they need they need to get their followers back, and they when I refollowed them, they only had about a thousand, like fourteen hundred people, something like that. So the other count was like a hundred thousand, wasn't it? It's it had to be really high. I'm not sure how high it was, but that's a real bummer that that happened to them. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's too bad. But that is know. too bad. That is too bad. So anyway, be sure go go follow at the dice tower. Uh, and and help them build their followers back but yeah it's just a really strange situation so but hey thanks so much for joining us this week everyone as always if you have any feedback questions or suggested topics hit us up at board with vg on that aforementioned twitter or also check out the awesome stuff over on the instagram also board with vg we're a proud part of play some video games and psvg is on patreon we are thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far and if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. Just like Michael Masick, Edwin Callow, Stephen Keller, Nick Creature, Ben Moxham, Nick Fallhaber, Paul Calico, Devin Tyus, Josh Barboni, RJ Kern, Zach Adams, Joe Wilson, and of course, Horse Girl 69 all have done. But really the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. So with that, Josh, what is your first topic this week? Hey, well, before I get into my first topic, I did want to mention something real quick. Uh, last week, Kyle and I talked about Activision Blizzard um, a bit. And um, I don't know that we really came down on a decision on if you should uh, boycott them or not. Um, I think we it really came down to your own personal opinion. But uh, I think the next day or maybe two later, um, Alana Pierce did post a YouTube a video um, addressing this thing and... I would say if you want to be a little bit more informed about it, watch, just watch it. It's not too long. 
it's like 15 minutes long, but she talks about how she specifically talked to people who are developers and how they would feel if you boycotted their games. Um, and I thought it was pretty, pretty interesting. It kind of gave me, uh, it made me do a double take at least. It made me second guess my opinion or my, what I was planning on doing. So I'd say if you, if you have a chance, just check out Alana Pierce's channel on YouTube um, and then inform yourself or inform your opinion about yourself. <laughs> uh, okay, so my topic of the show. You know, I wrote We've Been Waiting for You, Mr. Bond, but I feel like it's weird, like, no, we expect you to die, Mr. Bond, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we really have been waiting for this new Bond movie for a very long time. So. We have, we have. And you know what? I was waiting on Bond, James Bond, The Legendary. I know it came out. I've never seen it in stores, but I didn't buy it when it first came out because it had that um, um, first batch print run still had Marvel text on some of the cards so i didn't buy it so now i'm like wait i didn't buy james bond legendary why didn't i do that but i also didn't buy firefly legendary which is like a crime for me to not buy (laughs) so i guess it's okay uh that being said there is a james bond board game coming out it's called specter and it is doing what i think is now apparently the more popular thing to do is you're playing as the antagonists to our hero, um, Inspector, the board game, which is two to four players. Uh, It's not based on Spectre or any James Bond specifically, but it's wholly James Bond. Um, So, you know, I'll be curious to find out where, why they decided with Spectre. Maybe they were making it when the movie came out. Um, but essentially what you do, um, is, well, let's say Dice, Dice describes it as, uh, the villainous special executive for counterintelligence, terrorism, revenge, and extortion. That is Spectre. Um, and its members make it an appearance. So two to four players each control a famous member of Spectre. Uh, from leader and noted cat fan Ernst Stavro Blofeld, uh, two from Russia with Love, uh, assassin Rosa Kleb, and Skyfall's Raul, Sil- Raul Silva. Uh, in a manner similar to Disney Villainous, in which players control baddies, um, each with unique powers and objectives, each Bond villain has a unique plot to pursue, inspired by their appearance in the films. Um, Goldfinger, Dr. No, and Diamonds Are Forever, in which Blofeld attempts to build a diamond-powered space laser, were all mentioned as possible plots in the game's announcement, hinting at the inclusion of their respective antagonists. Uh, so, gameplay involves uh, deploying agents around the world to further your villainous schemes, placing the chosen pl- villain and their hench people to perform a vi- variety of actions including the chance to build gadgets, spy on rivals, and blackmail opponents on your way to the top, as well as specific actions based on the villains. I do want to say, I know it's it, it seems like a no-brainer to compare it to Villainous, but if you look at what the board looks like, it actually looks very pandemic-like. Um, and it makes me think of, there was a... Um, a video game where you play... I don't... What's it called? Evil Genius... 
where you are like building henchmen. It was almost like a sim style game, uh, third person or like theme hospital. That sounds right. It's something along those lines. Um, there's also a, a board game that uh, shares probably a similar name. And I don't want to call it Mastermind because it's it's not Mastermind because that's a different game. Um, but there's also a board game similar to that. But this is more um, uh, moving things and, and preparing and plotting. Uh, but what I thought to me, the reason why I wanted to cover it um, was because the gameplay designers are are people that we know. Antoine Bowser, for one, um, and Cash and Guns designer uh, Ludovic Maublanc, um, along with their Draftosaurus co-designers, Corentin Labrat and Theo 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 Riviere. Oh, man. I'm sorry, you guys. Uh, Not you guys listening, but those people whose names I butchered. So it's a great it's from modifius um but it's a great like pedigree of board game designers so i really feel like this is something that i don't think i'm too worried about like i feel like this will be a pretty successful game uh, it isn't coming out till next year so we have plenty of time and um we'll see it at some conventions if conventions continue to happen uh we'll see how the first well, we'll see how gen con goes but I do think I want to make sure I'm reading this right. The James Bond game will not see a Kickstarter uh, releasing directly into retail next spring. Uh, but that being said, I know when you play games with your partner, theme is important. Is this something that you one are you interested in, and two, do you think? that you would get playtime at home with it. I am moderately interested. So I like James Bond, but I am definitely a casual James Bond fan. Uh, My partner likes James Bond, but we have strongly different feelings on who the good James Bonds are. So that in of itself always makes anything James Bond related a contentious situation. Uh, so you know she's a she's a big fan of the Pierce Brosnan James Bond movies, and yes. I think the Pierce Brosnan James Bond movies are. If you are looking for a cheesy good time, go ahead and watch the Pierce Brosnan James Bond movies because my goodness, the cheese in those things. <laughs> but. So we we definitely have different opinions on like what and who James Bond is and kind of how that uh, should work, but yeah, I I think this is something I'm I'm moderately interested in. I don't know that it would creep to the top of my list, but I think if there was a decent sale on it, it's something I would definitely take a look at, but not something that I'm going to buy at full price or without reading reviews watching video reviews watching a playthrough something like that uh just antoine bowser is an amazing designer i i agree there 100 percent. hanabi is amazing uh seven wonders is amazing definitely has done great great work uh but want just a bit more information want to see others experiences with it and all that good stuff before i would jump in uh, what are your thoughts uh i love james bond uh but i would consider like I know like when you say you love something, you're like 
contractually contractually obligated to defend that love like how much do you love it and at least in this world of like crazy fandom so like i don't i'm not in love with james bond i couldn't recite things from movies but i just genuinely love like james bond stuff so this is very appealing to me but like i got i just got the alien board game and i know my wife won't play that with me right i'm like trying frantically to schedule a game night so I can play this with friends because I really want to play it. Uh, so I think the James Bond thing would be similar. She'd be more likely to play Legendary James Bond with me because she likes that system and she's familiar with it. But uh, this is a game that I will desperately want to play, but probably uh, won't get to play unless I'm at a convention and other people are playing it need someone to play with them. But still cool nonetheless. A James Bond board game. Who would have thought? Right. And very cool that it is, again, focused on the villains, right? That yeah. is who you're playing as. And and we've talked about how we like seeing that. We want to see more of it. And here we are seeing more of it in a really cool way. Awesome. Anything else then, Josh, about uh, Spectre you would like to talk about? No. <laughs> awesome. Okay, Josh, are you ready for this? I saw your topic. I didn't click the link because I I wanted to make sure I was as um I wanted to make a joke and I was gonna say as dumb as the wind, but that obviously does not work. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness gracious. Uh so Josh, before we could jump into this. And this topic is Magic the Gathering related. What would you say your overall knowledge of Magic the Gathering is? Currently, it's like computers. Once you stop working on computers, yep, you it only takes three weeks for you to not know anything about computers anymore. Okay. So times that by 10 years. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. Well, what I wanted to bring up is that on Dicebreaker, a site that we obviously use very regularly, they came up with an MTG terms glossary. So a list of terms that are used while playing Magic the Gathering. And I wanted to see how many of these Josh, who, you know, knows about Magic, played Magic back in the day a bit, but isn't currently, you know, in tune with with the world of Magic, how many of these things that he could answer in general now i'm not going to go through everything because this is a huge list of things and josh the one thing i am going to for the most part completely avoid are the names of the color combinations because they literally have like azorius which is like white and blue and bant which is green white and blue like i I don't know how in the world you'd ever know those things so i'm not going to cover any of those types of things uh but i just really wanted to see like how close these quote-unquote slang words are uh, to accurately representing what is happening in the game to someone who knows about the game a little bit but doesn't actively play it. Does that make sure. sense? Uh, that makes okay. total sense. Okay, so we're going to start. I'm not going to go through, again, I'm not going to go through all of them because it is a, I mean, it is a big, 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 big list. But I just want to kind of see what things you might be familiar with and how ridiculous our ta- our slang terms are in Magic. <laughs> um, and I'll be honest, some of these I had never heard of. So I don't know... 
Oh, that gives me that, that gives me a lot of confidence. <laughs> well, but I also Dicebreaker is a is a I think they're based in England. They're a European, yeah, European site, so I don't know if they just have different slang there than we do for some things. That could be a that could be a thing. I don't know. We'll see. But some of these I think will make a lot of sense. Some of these may not. Okay, Josh, your first glossary term. What do you think agro means? Oh man. <sighs> I mean, I know what aggro means, but do I know what it means in magic terms? What do you think it means in magic terms? I can't Google these things. No, you cannot Google them. Um, oh, I this is gonna take forever, so I'm not. I'm, I hesitate to guess. So why don't you just tell me? <laughs> it, it is exactly what you think it is. It, it, other than it is a deck archetype um, that just focuses on playing aggressive creatures as quickly and fastly as okay, you can. Literally you just want to win as fast aggro. as you can. That's the purpose okay. of that. Yep. So it is what, like I said, don't try to overthink this. Most of, of these things. Brain. Yeah. Um, here's one that I didn't know, but I think it would be interesting to know if you know, what is an alpha strike? An alpha strike? An alpha strike. Is it literally um, front loading like your strongest character to attack your opponent? Pretty darn close. It is a game-ending attack that tends to be one massive combat that has all of your creatures going to in and trying to kill the opponent. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever heard that term used for it, but hey, you know, there we go. All right, Josh, how do you think the what do you think the word answer means in magic? If you're like, uh, oh, this is an answer, is it like um, a defensive strike? Like a attack pack? Uh, a little bit. So an answer is basically a card that specifically gets rid of a problem. So if there's something going on, you're like, oh, oh shoot, do I have an answer to that? Okay. That card that, is, that fixes that, that is the answer. All right, Josh. What is a bear? It's a bear. It is a bear, but tell me more. <laughs> like a grizzly bear. Is it a, so, gr- is it a green creature? It is a green creature. <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, that's okay. That's I know good. that's that bears good. are green creatures. <laughs> so back in the day, uh, uh, there is a card that is called Grizzly Bears that is a 2-2 two, yes. two that costs two mana. Yeah. So basically anything that's a 2-2 two, two for two, so a two power, two toughness creature for oh, two mana, universally they call bear? all of them bears. <laughs> yep. So. Okay. So yeah, you were right on though. You were pretty. You were there pretty, definitely are other creatures that are 2-2. Two, two. Oh, there are 100% other okay. creatures that are 2-2 two, two for 2. But just w- basically when you're building something, you'd be like, oh, and these are my bears. Like anything that's a cheat, sure. that's kind of just how you get them out there. So, All right, Josh. What is a bomb? Ooh, you know, if I was going to think of it in magic terms, it's it's probably a card that you put down where you're stacking underneath it to unleash it at some point. That's pretty close. That's pretty close. But basically, a bomb is just getting a really super solid sweet card, like in a. Oh, you're typically... being nice to me. <laughs> no, you're 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 good because it's usually a really good card. Yeah. It is usually a card that's going to win the game for you. Um, that and typically, like you'd be like in you know sealed deck or draft if you get a bomb when you open a pack, like you're like hey, this is what's going to win me the game. So right. I'm playing. So yeah, you're 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 right on there. So this is one uh, that. I always wonder if people know, uh, because I think it's kind of a funny word, but uh, what is a brew? B-R-U? B-R-E-W, a brew. Is that like mixing uh, decks? A bit. Uh, So basically, you're you're actually, Josh, you're really not that far off. Uh, A brew is just making um, your own deck. 
So instead of like using mm. a card list or using something, playing the meta, you just kind of create something okay. on your own that's making a brew. Sure. So one that I'll be super surprised if you know, what's a cantrip? It's not a caltrop. It's a cantrip. It's a cantrip, not a caltrop. <laughs> yep. I don't know. I don't know what a cantrip is. So a cantrip is a card. Typically, the easiest way to re- refer to it is a card that lets you draw cards. Okay. Why do they call it a cantrip? Um, I don't know. I don't expect you to know the answer to that. Sorry. That I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, so usually, a, and typically like a cantrip is going to be like um, an effect on another card. So like you'll have a creature that like if you tap it instead of attacking with it, like it'll be a cantrip that'll allow you to draw a card sure. or something like that. So look at you're doing really good at this, Josh. <laughs> um, <laughs> In the world of magic, what does it mean when someone says crack? Uh, like crack a pack. That's exactly right. Okay. Crack a pack, a hundred percent. What does it mean to fetch? This is not. I haven't seen Mean Girls, but this isn't a Mean Girls reference. <laughs> this is not a Mean Girls reference. Uh, is it when you take someone's card, you throw it across the room, and you say, "Go fetch"? <laughs> no, but that would be really good. That would be really good. <laughs> That's my guess. <laughs> Okay, so uh, fetch is when you go get a card from your library. Oh, man, I was so close. <laughs> you were, yeah, well, you were. Not I really. mean, the library is sitting on the table. You're not chucking it everywhere, but you were. It was about going to get a card. That yeah. is 100% correct. <laughs> um, what is a group hug? Oh, uh, Delta Spreader event. That could be, I guess. That could be. Uh, and this is one I was not familiar with because I haven't played a ton of Commander lately. But apparently, a group hug is a style of Commander deck that helps everyone to draw cards and play extra lands. It doesn't always have a win condition, but if it does, it's a combo. So basically, you're just there to help everyone else have a good time, apparently. So that's <laughs> what a group hug is. What, Josh, for you? What? Oh, let's... Uh, let's. By the way, our Twitter is exploding. Is it really? Questions. Why, is, why is our Twitter got, exploding? We got three questions since we started recording. My goodness gracious. I mean, exploding is an over-exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> but it's exploding for us. <laughs> um, Josh, what does it mean to have something uh, on a stick? Whoa. That's a weird term. Uh, yeah, to have on something a stick. on a stick. On a stick. Is it like... No. Um, like ready to play? Kind of, yeah, absolutely. So, on a stick is uh basically any effect or ability that's like on a creature or a card that stays in play that you can just use over and over again. Oh, so you it's have a that constant. On a stick. Okay, yeah. Why can't they so. just say gets a constant? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, cool, cool, cool. All right, what is a snap keep? A snap keep. Is that when you're taking someone else's creature and, and putting it on your, um, uh, what's the word? Table? That's not the word. <laughs> Battlefield? What's yeah, sure. I mean, that's that. you can call it whatever you want to uh, as far as that goes. But uh, no, a snap keep is basically when your starting hand is very good. Oh, so you like, look at, I always yeah, forget that people do hand. that in Magic. <laughs> what's that? I always forget that you can do that, like a mulligan. Yeah, you can can mulligan. So if you look at your cards, you're like, oh, these are really good. That's a snap keep. So, all right. What does it mean? (laughs) (laughs) That would be a flood. I skipped that term. Um, 
What would a swing be? A swing? Yeah. Is it when you take momentum from your opponent? See, that is an excellent thought because that it would be a way to look at swing, but it's a different type of swing. Is it when your friend pushes you back and forth uh, on swings? <laughs> no, just a swing is an attack. When you attack, you're swinging. Oh, a literal swing. Okay. A little yeah. swing. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. All right, Josh. Just a couple more here, and we're going to uh, call it a day. Uh, what is Tudor? This is like what movie movie game is like for you, isn't it? Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> what is Tudor? Tudor? Um, is it literally teaching someone how to play magic? It is not, okay. though it should be. Uh, a tutor is a, a, a spell or an ability that lets you go find a very a, a specific card from your discard or deck or drop from your out. deck. Yep, yeah. is your you tutor for it? Yep, indeed. All right, Josh, and we'll we'll do this as a final. Uh, we'll do two more. What is Voltron? Oh, that is when a bunch of kids get into tiger. Um, robots and they form together to be one robot. That and is actually pretty darn it's close. Voltron. Yeah. So Voltron, <laughs> obviously the name comes from that, uh, but it is basically aiming to, between the cards you play, you're making one thing that once you've played all of them combined to be like a really large, powerful card. Okay. Like a black deck. Uh, not necessarily. There's like, um, Vol- there's actually lands that they call Voltron lands that if you get them all, they allow you then to like cast a ton more mana. Uh-huh. Uh, but basically, if you have like one creature that is attached to a lot of equipment and auras to it, so it's a really big and really powerful, that'd be considered a Voltron. I think back to that mechanical, the black deck with mechanical monsters. That's what I always think about. Original, not original magic. That sounds stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the final thing, Josh, uh, what is Wooberg? A Wooberg. A Wooberg. W-U-B-R-G. Wooberg. It's a terrible name for whatever it is. So uh, <laughs> I can't even like educationally guess at that. Yeah, so Wooberg is uh, the colors for magic because it's really? white. Really? <laughs> yeah, white and then U is blue. Why? Uh, because B is black <laughs> and then red and green. But basically, if anything costs like one of each color, like it costs Wooberg. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, Josh, wasn't that so much fun? Getting a little educated on all the kids are saying today when they're playing their magic games? Who makes a deck with every color in it? Oh, not totally uncommon. Plus, is really? Uh, yeah. Land filtering these days is uh, much, much better than it used to be. So wow. it's not as hard to necessarily um, play. You know, typically two or three color decks are the most common, but. Uh, you can you can play five color if you really want to. That's try. insane. It's when I played, it was yeah. one or two colors. You would yeah. never see a three color deck. Yeah. So two color was pretty common. Some th- well, actually, no, that's not true. Three color was really common when I was playing. Um, but yeah, I mean, and five color is usually going to be in more um, legacy style formats where you're having um, really ridiculous land cards that can go get where you can go fetch any lands that you want to. But yeah, five color control is totally a thing. Wow. Yeah. All right, Josh, what is your second topic? Sell, sell, sell. Kyle, what do you think? Did you already read this? I did not read this. Don't look at it. What do you think? I'm killing. I got little fruit flies in the house. It's driving us crazy. 
uh, our hermit crab died and we didn't know it was dead. So now we just oh, have no. a house full of fruit flies. Um, uh, 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 sorry, they're distracting. So uh, Cards Against Humanity is weighing its sale options. Oh, um, okay. This, this coming after a pretty rough year for them, but it also comes at the end of um, co-founder or uh, Max Temkin, who I met, and I uh, am not surprised to hear he was horrible to his employees. Uh, <laughs> was horrible to his employees, and he left the company in the wake of allegations uh, from former employees of a toxic work environment in their Chicago office. Also, I'm trying to paint a picture here because they also bailed. Bailed is harsh. This is coming from ICV2. Um, on a high-end Chicago board game cafe in September, but it was, I mean, bailed is tough because it was during COVID, so right. really they just had to, you know, close it down. Yeah, um, which was smart. That being said, uh, sales of the game are well off its peak in most stores, um, and the space it's getting in mass merchants is down. In fact, a bunch of the packs are on clearance at my local targets. Oh, interesting. Um, but it's still a significant contributor to sales in the adult party game category. Now, if you had to guess the value of Cards Against Humanity and what they are trying, uh, what they are guessing that their price range is around, what do you? What would you guess? Oh boy, this is a tough. This is really tough because I don't think we have ever when. Asmodee has acquired board game companies. I don't think we've ever heard prices, right? Like we've never heard how right. much they so have. So give you a, a, a clue. Okay. The company earns 40 to 50 million per year before interest, depreciation, and whatever uh, amor- amortization is. For, they make 40 to 50 million a year, eh? Yeah. They also do almost all of their own printing. I do know that from oh, a panel okay. with them. Well, sure that probably increases cuts. that probably significantly increases how much I would have guessed because Josh, I was what I was using as my baseline for this, which I know it's not related, but I was trying to like cross markets here of thinking about how much PlayStation bought Insomniac for. Yeah. And that was like 220 million or 225 million or something like that. Yeah. So I was going to guess trying to figure out that, you know, Cards Against Humanity I pretty popular though like you said party game definitely not as popular as it used to be but if they're making 40 to 50 million a year you know typically if you're buying a company you're not looking to make money really soon i mean it it takes a while i mean when do we think microsoft's going to see a profit from that bethesda deal you know Uh, yeah so death loop (laughs) (laughs) that and ghostfire tokyo um yeah that game that's not going to come out. <laughs> well, let's go forty million. We'll we'll go forty million over ten years. So I'm going to say four hundred million, but that number sounds insane to me. Okay, so uh, the company Cards Against Humanity they retain they have a retainer out with investment bank Mollis and Company Mollis and Company. Um, after receiving takeover interest, it doesn't say who's interested, but they are. Uh, five hundred million. They're guesstimating right really? now. Really? Oh my! So you gosh. were you were in, you were pretty close. I mean, you're a hundred million off, but still, like from you could have said forty million. So you're pretty close. 
uh, wow. to what they're estimated at. Now that could go way higher, could go way lower. This is really what they're just estimating it being worth. Uh, do who do you think? Who do you think would be interested in buying them for that much money? No one, right? <laughs> so do you think that this is going to be scooped up by like an Asmodee, or is this going to be scooped no. up by like someone like Tencent or Microsoft? Or Disney, um, or Hasbro. Like, can you imagine? We've seen all these, like, you see all these ripoffs on, like, Facebook and Instagram, like, um, cards against Disney or Disney against humanity or whatever. Can you imagine a group who already owns the licensing for, like, Hasbro? Like, what if Hasbro bought cards against humanity and then they made every version of Monopoly, but uh, cards against whatever. So it's like cards against Disney, cards against Marvel. Like, what do you think? Like, that's the first thing I thought of. I was like, I look at all these ripoff ones where they charge like 35 bucks on Instagram or Etsy, where they're like blatant ripoffs, where they definitely don't have the licensing deals from Disney to do it. And I'm, and I'm curious if like a Hasbro would buy them so they could just license the heck out of it. So half a billion dollars for cards against humanity. So this is a little old because my initial reaction to Asmodee, no way. I don't think Asmodee has the money. There's no way they have that much money. And I looked up Hasbro and this is a little old and obviously this is way an oversimplification, but (laughs) Hasbro's cash on hand in February of this year was just over a billion dollars. So I don't think they're paying $500 million of that for Cards Against Humanity. I do, I almost wonder if this is, since they do, like you had mentioned, that they do all of, or most of their own printing, I almost wonder if this is somebody who is not even in the gaming area or doesn't even care about the gaming area necessarily wanting the printing wanting that printing capacity or that whatever oh, you know yeah. so then maybe someone like disney or something like that isn't ridiculous not because they want to make cards against humanity stuff but maybe they just want the printing what if it's like some billionaire who played cards against humanity once and, he was and like, just not wants to own them i want to buy it <laughs> i'm going to make my own game by just buying the company and then making them make it for me oh there's a new ascension coming out too Curse of the Golden Isles. It's a pirate. Another pirate. What would you have guessed? Okay, number. well, sorry, I'll back up. Do you have someone in mind? Like, do you think that Hasbro is going for them? Like, who do you think reasonably would want to buy them for that price? The uh, price aside, the first thing I thought of was all these knockoff Cards Against Humanity games. Right. And how it makes sense to license it. And then I thought of the the first company I thought, that has all these pre-existing like licenses is Monopoly, not company, but like the first game. Right. So Hasbro. Right. So Hasbro like was the first thing that popped into my head. I I like you have a hard time wrapping my brain around Cards Against Humanity being worth half a billion dollars. Uh, but I think it also speaks to the board game industry and where we are now. I think at the height of their popularity when they're on fire, I could have seen somebody saying 500 million 
because it was like, oh, well, there's no way this is going to go down, right? Like, then I could yeah. have seen 500 million. I don't see 500 million today, though, not even close. But pe- So, people in, I said, I was going to say our industry, and that's a little conceited. <laughs> people in the industry that we enjoy, uh, consumers, I should say, hate Monopoly, right? Nobody, yeah. like, it's a big thing. We talk about it all the time because I'm yeah. on the other side so of the fence. You love it. Uh, but, if that was the case, they wouldn't make Monopoly anymore because they just wouldn't have the money. I was at Target when this weekend they had one copy left of Animal Crossing Monopoly. I said to my wife, look, they have Animal Crossing Monopoly. She's like, yeah, but I don't like Monopoly. And then I go, but we could sell it. And I just, I pulled up eBay. It's, you know, double the price on eBay because they're selling out of all the Targets. Right. So I, I didn't buy it but because I'm not, a scalper, but I thought about it. Um, and then there's like, now there's a brand new target branded monopoly. It, it there, it's not stopping, which means people are buying it because they wouldn't just be making monopolies for no reason. People are buying them. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it just means we're, we're even that much more out of touch with the casual gamer than we thought. Yeah. It could be. If you're buying monopoly, you're a casual gamer. One way or the other, depend, yeah. no matter how people at conventions want to look at you, you're a casual gamer if you're buying Monopoly. So they're still printing them. So if you're Hasbro and you're making money off Monopoly, why wouldn't you get Cards Against Humanity for your older audience? They're already buying Monopoly because they're buying it for their family. The adults are buying it. Yeah. And... Their adults are drinking Bud Lights, and they're drinking Blue Moons, and they're drinking Heineken's, and their kids go to bed at some point, and they want to <laughs> unwind. Like, right. why not do it? Yeah. So, I yeah. don't know. I mean, that's what my thought process is, but I I, I can't. The, the dollar amount is crazy, but um, I can't imagine anyone else buying them. Unless it's think- that guy in Saudi Arabia who's buying... Like 75% of the stocks of all the video game companies right now that people don't know why he's doing it. How much would you have guessed prior to reading this article? I know it's hard to like unring the bell because now that you know like what they're saying, but how much would you have guessed? Do you think I would probably have guessed 10 million, honestly? Okay, and I think that's still a high, but I but I know that they're. (laughs) There's still a a large group of people that I don't regularly hang out with that think cards against humanity is the greatest thing that has ever been created i've since moved on from that but i also do own so many expansions of this and and i still enjoy the game but it's just on a different level now i'm trying to think if i could have even guessed what it was going to be worth before (laughs) i probably would have said i mean i i probably would have been in the 75 to 100 million range yeah. just because i do think it is that popular but i ooh, i i i don't know that i would have really done anything <laughs> over that because i'm even trying to think of like how much i can't i was trying to find that thing really quick but i was trying to remember how much exploding kittens got from a capital investor and oh. they got like and this was like i think after the kickstarter they got like 30 million dollars or something in that ballpark from an investor yeah 
So that was like, okay, well, Exploding Kittens was super popular, but now, like, ex- you know, stretch the length of that out for longer because of Cards Against Humanity. You know, where could we kind of, and that's what I was trying to think in my mind of, like, where we'd go from that. But dang, that's a lot of money. Way, way more than I thought. And I, I don't think, let me say, if I had an extra $500 million, I would not use it to buy Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, they're also. Exploding Kittens is also taking in about $50 million a year. Because, see, yeah, that would then theoretically put them at roughly the same market value. Roughly. Yeah, 100%. They are so. worth the same. <laughs> <laughs> and that, I don't think I'd pay $500 million for Exploding Kittens either. <laughs> so, uh, But th- this is, yeah. I mean, the annual report is a little all over the place. It literally says revenue 10 to $100 million. Nice. So that's not, uh, and they charge you to look at the exact oh. results. That's interesting. Gotcha. Um, but a regular, go- a quick Google search will tell you, um, meaning uh, revenues are an estimated fifty million. So yeah, they make about fifty million a year. Okay. All right, Josh. Anything else about uh, Cards Against Humanity? Um, no, I haven't played it in years. I haven't either. I haven't either. <laughs> I don't plan to anytime soon. All right. So that, Josh, we're going to finally dust off this classic. You know, last week we had gotten back to adding games to our board game list. Um, and another activity slash topic I've had on the our to-do list for a while now we haven't gotten to is going back to one of our famous, favorite, famous, favorite segments of answering the board game subreddit's most burning question. So here we are again taking a look at what's going on on the board game subreddit and answering the questions that they have been posting and wondering about. You ready to tackle this, Josh? Yes. There's some really interesting ones this time. So um, nothing quite as good about the fr- about the freezer for mold, but still some really good <laughs> ones. All right, Josh. Uh, so this is um, by user Practicalist, I believe is how that said. Separating weight and complexity. So... What this says is that, quote, I was reading the thread about what weight is D&D 5.0 using the BGG system. And since I hate the BGG weight system and had nothing better to do, I thought I would rant a bit. I hate this BGG rating more than almost any metric I know. And I'm an analytics guy, so I know a lot of metrics. So here's one half cocked (laughs) analytics guy's take on weight and complexity when it comes to board gaming so basically he goes on to say that he doesn't believe weight and complexity are the same thing and they should be counted and looked at differently okay so i'm not going to read the entire thing it is very it is a a really well written post but basically the final definition he comes up with that weight equals the difficulty to learn or grasp all the aspects of the game sure complexity is the amount of decision making, calculating, or permutations needed to be considered during play? Hey, read the weight thing again. Difficulty to learn or grasp all the aspects of the game. Complexity. So weight is <laughs> weight is how hard is the game to learn. Yeah. Complexity is how much decision making do you have to make during the game. Yeah, he just basically created complexity A and B. <laughs> he just just it's. Is the definition of weight is the definition of complexity. <laughs> so you're saying that these are pretty much the same things as far as you're concerned. Yeah, it's, it just sounds like someone who's unhappy with the definition trying to create their own definition, but in, in turn 
creating the same definition that already exists, but doubling it. Right. I do think there is a small point here, though, that we do often talk about games that are easy to learn, but yeah. have a lot of decisions to make during them. Sure. And that those games might be lightweight, but complex still. Whereas other games that are hard to learn, yeah, you know, like something if you go like with Cavern or something like that, like it takes a lot to learn that game. So it is both heavy and complex, whereas something like um, Century is light, but potentially moderately complex. I mean, Does that makes. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that you just need to change terminology then. No one's going to want to look at a game that says weight and complexity has two different numbers. And then you're expected to remember which one is referring to which thing. So why don't we just do something where it's like, um, I I don't know. I would have to sit down like this guy did for probably months of his life to figure out the way to phrase ease of use um, to put into a scale, yeah, (laughs) like. or understand like something along that lines. Like I, I think complexity and and weight are interchangeable for board games. I don't know mm-hmm. that we need two different categories. I think that weight was just a term that we got used to because of BGG. It could just as easily be called complexity. Yeah, because that's what we translate weight to, anyways. Like it's true, we do. It's a complex game if it's above a three point five. Well, right. I guess it's above a three, maybe. Um, it's very complex if it's above a 3.5. I guess I don't have a problem with him doing that, but I, I don't know that his answer is better than the one we currently have. Yeah, I can see that. I do get his point, but I, I think the challenge of it is that the system as is already has a lot of disagreements. Oh, for and sure. I think when you're when you're adding now two, Things yeah. that are gonna be rated, like I think you're gonna have more. And like where where does the when does the pendulum sling from learning and grasping all aspects of the game to then decision making, calculating or or things to be considered during gameplay? Because like if if theoretically you are making incorrect decisions during gameplay, is that because the complexity is high or because you haven't from a weight perspective learned the entire game yet, right? Like right. which one is it? Right. It could be both. It is both. Right. So <laughs> I I do think it is an interesting perspective though, and, and something that's, you know, like many things, a fun thing to talk about. Yeah. But I, I do think even though there are a lot of times that I'm not a huge fan of ratings in general, like, oh, this game's a seven, this game's a ten, whatever it might be. I do think the weight scale in general is a very quick snapshot of how complicated a game is. I both agree. in learning and playing. Um so if I see a game and I'm like, oh, that weight's high. It's going to be a little more challenging for me to learn. I'm going to put some more effort in reading the rule book. I understand that the first few plays, I'm going to be just starting to understand what's going on there. Um, and I think that as is, as it's set up, I already kind of know that. Any other thoughts on that? I want to create a new category. It's called House Rulifier. And it's a scale from 1 to 10 of how offensive it is to house rule rules in the game. If it's a one, it just means willy-nilly, you create your own rules. It's a sorry, a trouble, or a monopoly, or a Yahtzee. Mm-hmm. If it's a ten, it's like a Stone Age. No house rules. you got to go by the rules. Right. How's right, rule right, of right. fire? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Josh. The next one, then, is from uh, user Mystic Eska. 
the hard thing about these is anytime you're looking at usernames, especially on Reddit, like you don't know where the breaks are supposed to be all the time <laughs> in the names. You're like, I'm not really sure what this is supposed to be. But anyway, uh, Josh, the topic is board game politics. Oh boy, great. But probably not like you expect. So okay. what this sub uh, what the what the post says is I am new to the sub, so not sure if this is ever talked about. Was talking in another sub, and we got on the topic of new board game players who will target more seasoned board game players. This happens to me and makes me and and makes me have to be very specific when choosing a new game for a group. My three main examples are from Catan, Coup, and Munchkin. Catan. People just refuse to trade with me because they always think I'm gonna just come out and win, or they always put robbers on me to make the game fair. Coup. People are way more likely to try and call me out or just get hard targeted with coups and assassins. Munchkin, every game I ever play just turned south the second I play any word that I can't say on this podcast card, regardless of how small it was. I'm then forced to play a 3v1 because, well, you were good at the games, so it was only fair. This wasn't just a single group. This was noticeable across many groups I played with other with others through the years. The thing is, I'm not even good at them. I've just played them before. Um, <laughs> While I'm on the topic, does anyone else ever hold, get annoyed when people hold grudges across games? Where you win one game and then another player refuses to ever cooperate with you or hard target you because of the previous games, et cetera, et cetera. So, Josh, what are your thoughts on <laughs> board game politics as they as they stated it? But just the idea of going after the person who's more experienced or seasoned or um, really targeting specific people, going after people, holding grudges across games. Like, What are your thoughts on all that? I got bad news for this person, guy or girl. They are not a, a fun person to play with. And I can tell... <laughs> <laughs> Based off of all of that. Um, That's mostly a joke, but probably, I probably nailed it. Um, We joke a lot um, in our game group about how, in fact, it just came up when we played Bristol uh, two two weeks ago, a week ago. There's a joke that I'm always the traitor or my buddy Greg is always the traitor. But it also has, it came up last time we were playing that um, apparently, and I guess I can't disagree with this. Um, I am an agent of chaos and I like to <laughs> pretend, I like to act as if I am neither in a game with like hidden roles or things like that. I'm neither the good guy or the bad guy. I want to try to be just, you know, in there because I have fun when I like, I think it would be a lot different if this is competitive play. But it's for me, it isn't. And people don't believe me when I say I genuinely just like playing and I don't get angry when I lose. That is honest. I'm not religious, but it's honest to God truth. Like, I love playing board games. I could lose every board game. I still love playing them. Um, It might get old if I lost every board game I played, but... It comes to the point where if I'm playing Dead of Winter and people assume I am the traitor or I'm a traitor mechanic, I will tell you I'm not, whether I am or not. I will do things to help the group, whether I am or not. But ultimately, there will be a point where I have to make that decision if I'm still around. And ultimately, I usually get kicked out of camp in Dead of Winter. And I'm, and I'm not the traitor and everyone gets mad at me because I was apparently not playing innocent enough the whole time. So like <laughs> uh, for this guy or girl, 
or person. I don't know how to help you, uh, but maybe look inward on your question first, because that's three examples of three games over multiple other examples because they're like and it's not just my regular gaming group it's other random people right and i i've talked about this in the podcast before um ashley and i encountered our first alpha gamer Mm -hmm. at pax unplugged and it was very unpleasant but we also had the courtesy to not call that person out and i don't even know if that person identifies themselves as an alpha gamer um, so maybe this person is similar to that. Maybe not, but based on my experience, I genuinely thought that person thought they had the best interests of the group In when mind. they were telling yeah. people what to do, but they were also telling people to do the wrong things at some points mm-hmm. because they were mm-hmm. so confident. And when they were wrong, instead of admitting they were wrong, they would pull out the rule book and look at it for five minutes, trying to find a spot that said they were right. Because they have to be right. Right, right, because they remembered being able to do this or whatever. So if you're always being targeted in Catan and you're always being attacked in Munchkin and you're always being held back in Coup, maybe don't blame the people you're playing with. (laughs) Somebody somebody responded with, the saying goes, if you find yourself constantly surrounded by a-holes, you're the a-hole. <laughs> right. I don't want to call this person an a-hole, but, you know. Right. And I'm not saying they are either. What do you think, though, about the idea of um, holding grudges or, like, through a game, a night of gaming? Of- oh, that exists. It happened in Risk Legacy. Yeah. Greg, who is listening, knows exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> We were all playing Risk Legacy as a group, and I actually was on Greg's side on this one. Greg wanted to win, so he chose the path to win, even though he could have done one thing to unlock a whole new box. Mm-hmm. He could have still won the game, but but the, deter- the like the outcome was undetermined if he did that first, because right. we didn't know what was in the box. For sure. So he chose the path of nuking a, a country. To win, and he did win, and his significant other was the one who was the most mad at him. Um, But uh, I agree that he was playing to win, and that's what he did. But um, for sure, he he, and and sorry, Greg, if I'm, he probably doesn't care, but he still can't play boss monster with his significant other because (laughs) they just fight. Like there's there's just a grudge, like that pre exists. And that's kind of like a tan thing. Like we could play five player boss monster, and I feel like she would always, if he did one thing to her, she would just assume that he was about to do the things he used to do, which was just demolish and pick on her board instead of everyone else's, which was probably a one off. But sometimes you can take things personally. I get that. I've definitely had my share. I've played hundreds of games of Catan. There's definitely been games of Catan where I felt just beat up right and just wanted to give up like it happens i think there's a delicate balance there though of 
honestly, I think having the quote unquote grudge is kind of part of a game night, right? Like yeah. you're playing a game and somebody does really well. And then the next game, they're like, oh, you should do y- X, Y, Z to help me out and be like, oh, really? Because in the previous game, you didn't want, <laughs> you know, like I think right. that's part of the fun, right? Yes. Like that, obviously there are limits to all of that, but if you have a fun, engaged like group, like that's kind of part of it, right? Or if XYZ always wins, everyone's like, all right, tonight, this person is not going to win. One of us is going to win. Like yeah. that's what happens. Like, and that's kind of part of the fun. Hopefully, as long as it is light and fun and everybody's participating and knows like this is the way it's going to go. But I kind of think that's just what happens and it's supposed to happen, right? Yes. Like so sorry. I'm not, we're not saying you're an a-hole. You might be a very nice person. Uh, but I, I think that you're but it might sounds be like missing you're a few things. <laughs> might be missing a few things. Yeah. Um, so as far as that goes. Yeah. Okay, Josh. Um, the next one from user Luke Kane. What highly rated games do you simply not understand why they are so well loved? For me, the quick and easy answer is The Crew. Honestly, really struggle to oh. find joy here. Nothing can, can suck the fun out of a room faster than a non-communicative co-op. Hanabi falls in this category too, but the crew fell so flat, especially with me, who brought it and was excited to play, that I'm dumbfounded by his universal praise. I will admit that it seems I really dislike trick-taking games. So, Josh, hearing that, what are games that are pretty well-loved that, for you, just don't quite hit well with you? Sentinels of the Multiverse comes (laughs) to mind. Um, I guess I will put Wasteland Express Delivery Service in there. Mm-hmm. I think the production value is outstanding. It's, it blew my mind, especially at the time it came out. Top tier. Um, I, I think for me in general, Heavy Euros, I think I could put a blanket over that, right? Just right. for me. Um, but that could also be that I'm just not in the right mindset to play them, or I haven't played enough, or I haven't played with the right people. Um, I find it hard to find board games I don't like. In mm-hmm. fact, if I find a board game I don't like, it's usually because I didn't read the rules correctly. So I guess rule books would be what I would say. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, but I don't, I don't have like a specific board game outside of my joke answers that I really just don't like or hasn't met the hype. I think every game I have played, and it sounds crazy, but has met the hype level that I've had for it. Yeah, for me, I think there are some games that others really, and to be fair, some of these people, some of these games, some people really, really um, don't like, and I get that. But uh, I mean, Munchkin for me is one clearly, like I just don't enjoy Munchkin overall. Uh, and I know some people who mm. absolutely adore it. I know there, are, I know Munchkin is pretty divisive. There are people who really don't like Munchkin as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, but I, oof, I just do not enjoy that. And often, if people are like, "Hey, let's play this," like I will actively choose not to play it, which doesn't <laughs> happen very often for games. Uh, and then I think the other one, probably for me, and it's another game that we've already talked about, uh, Cards Against Humanity. But not just that, but even like Apples to Apples. Like I think Apples to Apples oh. is fine, but I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe I've just played it too much. I, I don't know what it is. I just something about it just doesn't really sit super well with me. Sure. I, I think it's fine. I, I think that the idea of trying to be funny and have like these joke answers or playing it straight, whichever way you want to do it, like 
the jokes are funny like one every 10 turn you know like it just doesn't do enough either direction yeah. for me um so i think anything kind of like that for me is yeah where i'm where i'm going so yeah i agree Our- play balder dash instead you make your own jokes <laughs> all right josh uh should we do one more and call it good sure okay <clears throat> here this one i think is interesting and I, I i read it and i was like i don't anyway from user oh my gosh practicalist again Uh-oh. i didn't even realize it if you add luck to chess does it cease to appeal to chess players yeah 100 uh, <laughs> percent. i don't know how you would add luck to chess but yes it 100 percent changes it changes yeah of, yeah of course what a weird question the whole idea behind chess is it's a strictly strategic game. Can you imagine? It would be like adding a gold baseball to baseball. You don't know when it's coming. The pitcher's just going to throw it randomly. But if you hit it, it's three times whatever you hit. So if you hit if you hit the gold ball, you get a single. It's a triple. Like, no. That's, I mean, that's obviously chess and baseball incomparable. Right. Um, but in that situation, I think they are. <laughs> Because I don't know how you would add luck to chess. Do you get a... You walk up to your board. Um, it's all covered like an advent calendar. And when you move your chess piece, you have to flap open where it's going to land. And if you get a star, it's <laughs> unkillable. I don't know how that would work. Uh, yeah, chess is strictly all strategy. Yeah. I can't even imagine interjecting luck into that game in any way possible. Yeah, I, I think it is an interesting question because the whole point of chess is there is no luck. Right. It's a you mind, know, like, like the, you're a superior mind. Right. And I think it's important to note that chess players still might like a game that has luck or chance in it, but that doesn't mean they want that. Like, that's not chess then. And I think it's interesting because we talk all the time about video games and video games like evolving and changing and like, hey, when you have a sequel, like add something new, make some changes, make some additions. But for certain things, that's just a new game then, right? Like chess is what chess is. It appeals to a very specific type of play. Somebody might still really like, you know, any other game that has luck or chance in it, but that just doesn't mean they necessarily want them in the same game. So chess players might still like the game, but not because it's a chess with luck, just because they might want to play a different game that has luck in it, right? right? You get what I'm saying? So yeah, I yeah think they it's play a, 3D chess instead. Right. You know, <laughs> like chess and Go and other games like that, like they, the, when their people are playing those, the reason they're playing them is because they are trying to <laughs> remove luck. If yeah. you add luck, people might still like it, but it's, not going to fulfill the same thing that chess does the so. person who asked that question is definitely someone who loses that chess a lot <laughs> i bet it's i say person if there was who, a luck aspect to this yeah it was the same person who wrote about weight and complexity so yeah, yeah. If but only, anyway if only i could write this if there was a luck aspect <laughs> yeah so there are some of the board game subreddit's most burning questions uh josh what is your third topic this week okay shipping costs are now officially affecting game prices a gloomy indeed, as I wrote that 
line myself due to shipping costs, Atlas Games has been forced to raise the price on all of their Gloom games. Well, almost all their Gloom games. Apparently, Munchkin is untouchable. Uh, so we're going into, as they call it, the great shipping container shortage of 2021. And it rolls on, pun intended probably, by them. This is from ICV2. And it seems to have impacted Atlas Games' Gloom products. So, Kyle, I'm not... I don't need to tell you the price differences, but I'm going to tell you we're looking at a 12 to 20% increase on the price of games. I'll tell you the price anyways. So Core Gloom is going to go from $24.95 to $27.95, and its expansions will go from $14.95 to $17.95. Munchkin Gloom is untouchable. It's staying right there at 30 bucks, More than all the other Glooms. <laughs> So this is the first time Atlas has raised its pricing in Gloom since its original release. What do you think this means? Is this the uh, first step in everyone following suit? Why Gloom? Why is Gloom the first game to start? Is Gloom a big seller? I have Gloom, but I've played it less than a handful of times. Right. I mean... Oh, and is 12% too much? I don't think so. I think the, the thing that throws me off the most about it is twenty seven ninety five just seems like a weird price point. Yeah, I'm sure that's MSRP also. Right. So, so that, you won't that be buying seem, it for that price. Yeah, that just seems weird. Uh, I'm not surprised by this, even though my assumption is that the price of shipping containers will go back down at some point. I anticipate that there are likely going to be some prices raising to offset the losses of what the current like the fact that they have to pay so darn much for shipping containers right now i I think that prices in the future are going to rise and then they are probably going to stay higher just to a make more money because who doesn't want to make more money but b also to you know reduce the cost of some or the risk if something like that were to happen again i i think one thing that video game video game board game companies are realizing is that uh, they run on really, really thin margins and don't necessarily have a ton of cash on hand or, or extra money available to them. And that, you know, this significant increase in container pricing is devastating for many of the companies and some of them, and many of them cannot handle the, the increase in price. And, you know, we just got our update about, um, foundations of Rome and, you know, they've had their shipping containers canceled numerous times because they just can't pay any more than a certain price for them. And, you know, others are coming in and saying, well, we'll pay you you know, even more. So uh, I, I think this is going to continue to happen. I think I'm okay with it because like, hey, if it if that's what it costs to ship it here, that's what it costs to ship it here. You know, it, it is what it is. Uh, I know there have been people, uh, especially in forums and things, talking about like, well, you should now, you know, instead of shipping these games, you should just have them manufactured in the U.S. Uh, for the most part, that's not possibility. Um, not because of the price, but just the manufacturing doesn't exist here like there's not these plants like there's very very few places in the u.s to get games made um and especially at scale and i was actually reading that the couple places in the u.s you can manufacture games uh they still get all their bits and stuff from china so (laughs) of course any good as far as that goes so so yeah so uh i don't think this will be the last i think we're going to see prices rise and and i think a big part of that is going to be um 
just to offset the cost now, but also to try to future proof in case this happens again. Because there's really no indication, like there's really nothing to say that this isn't going to happen again in the future. Yeah. Um, and with everything else that's going on in the world, so yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. What are your thoughts? Uh, I I agree with you. Um, I just I don't know that we'll see people announcing it. I think it's just going to be something that we just see something come out at forty dollars instead of thirty without any right. like announcement. Which is fine. Like, if yeah. you value the game like at at its price, then you're going to pay it regardless. I don't. I honestly don't think the consumers should know. I think that makes it, will make it easier for the people who are putting like the publishing. Just don't tell people. I mean, I'm fine. Like they're telling. It's nice that there's transparency with with uh, Atlas, but um, they're also not selling us forty, fifty, sixty dollar games. So I think it's easier for them to. To say that, but yeah, if Felonis needs to be twenty uh, thirty five instead of twenty five for the next expansion, that's fine. Yeah, I'll still pay it. I hear you. I hear you. All right, Josh. You know what? We're gonna uh, skip my third topic just to okay. stay on time here, and we'll start it potentially. Maybe we'll do it next week um, because we do have our predictions, obviously, and we have a boatload of listener questions to get to. And we want to make sure we get to those. So, Josh. Obviously, we record on Sundays. We mm-hmm. post this bad boy Tuesday mornings. So what's going to happen on Monday uh, that we have missed talking about? All right. So the big rumor that was last week that didn't come out was that it sounds like from Jason, everyone's cuddly Care Bear Shire is reporting that Horizon Zero Dawn will officially be coming out in 2022. So we're just waiting on that officially part from Sony. So uh, I feel like now is the time for them to address that, where we've had companies come out and address delayed rumors. And in fact, I thought PlayStation was going to address it last week. Um, so I feel like we'll hear tomorrow or Tuesday morning that uh, Horizon Zero Dawn Forbidden West will be delayed until first quarter 2022. Do you think they have good news to offset that? No. I mean, they have an Indies, right? They already announced the PlayStation Indies. Did that happen yet? Yeah. Well, they oh, did the Indies the thing. On, uh, well, it was just a blog, a day oh, of blog posts. Okay. Okay. That explains all the trailers that popped up on my YouTube. Yep. Um, uh, no, I don't think they'll have anything. That maybe they'll show something. No. You know, I think they'll just address it. I think they'll just do a post. Uh, maybe even just Gorilla will do it. Yeah. Um, just post on Twitter that... that it's true and that they're aiming for like february or whatever yeah we'll see we'll see it'll be a bummer but still have a lot to play this fall so that that is totally okay yep uh speaking of things to play this fall josh uh my prediction is that hey you know that call of duty that's still supposedly coming out this year that we've never heard about yet no because i've never heard about it (laughs) (laughs) well anyway uh i think uh call of duty vanguard which is like kind of like the rumored code name slash maybe real name of it uh, i think we're going to get a date for the reveal so okay. i don't think we're going to see the game on monday but i think they're going to say like hey your first look at call of duty 2021 on xyz and it's going to still be somewhere later in august so i think yeah. we're still not going to see about it but I, the fact that we're in mid-august at this point almost and have not even heard about this game that is likely coming out in october maybe early November, uh, is pretty ridiculous. So that's what I think, though. I think we're well past time because these reveals have usually happened much, much earlier than mm. now. Um, so I, th- I think it's time for that. All right, Josh. Like I said, we have uh, quite a few questions from listeners. Why don't you take us through them? 
All right, let's start with PSVG Kevin on Twitter. Kevin Austin, if you're nasty. Uh, he says, I want to hear Josh and Kyle, if he's interested, uh, Kyle's, if he's interested, fantasy picks for the next Marvel Villains expansion. Same for Disney, if there's any y- you feel are missing. So, um, that being said, I keep leaning like I have a wired headset on, but I don't. Uh, I could have just got up and grabbed it. I bought the, I got the new Villainous, Marvel Villainous expansion, uh, Mischief and Malice. So it includes Madame Mask. I know everyone's super familiar with her. Uh, Loki and MODOK. Uh, that is in the new Marvel Villainous expansion. So uh, I did share a picture on our Discord. If you look at the back of the instruction booklet, there is a silhouette of Doc Ock. So my guess would be Dr. Octopus is next. Um, If you recall, the first Marvel villainous had Thanos, Taskmaster, Hela, which is from Thor. Uh, Oh, boy. Ultron and Killmonger. And Killmonger. Good. Nice. You nailed it. Okay. Um, So who are we missing for Marvel? We do Doc Ock, right? We got to take a Sentinel from X-Men or maybe Arcade. Arcade's probably a good pick. So I would say we'll do Doc Ock representing Spider-Man. We'll do Arcade representing X-Men. And we'll do Galactus representing Fantastic Four. I was going to say, do you like that they have villains from all, like, from various IP, like, in one box? Or would you rather have them do, like... A Spider-Man villain, but you know what I'm saying. I'm I know okay obviously with there's that. some crossover anyway, but yeah, they did that with um, Legendary. I was okay with that, um, mm-hmm. um, but I think with Villainous, it would help to di- like break them up a bit because the hero packs that come for each villain would be too mm-hmm. similar. Oh, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, you'd have a Spider-Man in each hero, like villains hero pack, and you don't want that. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, you could easily do like the Sinister Six box <laughs> if you really wanted to for villainous. <laughs> that might be fun or funny. Yeah, this is really hard for me, right? Because I am not a super big Marvel Comics person. Uh, so it's a little harder for me to go through and... You want to do Disney instead for well, you? Well, I don't even... The problem with Disney is I don't <laughs> even know all... I can't even name all the ones in, in Disney. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do have one... Um villain and i i think they're a villain i i, I i'm gonna say that i think they're a villain um that i would like to have and i think it just because it'd be funny to have them i really would like j jonah jameson <laughs> yeah that would be funny <laughs> i think they could do from a gameplay perspective i think they could do really fun stuff with that so um if they can make that happen that is who i'd vote for is j jonah jameson nice Okay, well, how about Disney villains? Uh, the latest expansion has Gaston, the demon from Fantasia, and it's not, is it Cruella? No. Hold on. Could you hear that all the way over there? Ah, a little bit, yeah. Lady, we'll see how it Lady comes Tremaine, the Horned King, and Gaston. Okay. Um. So that being said, we got those bad guys. Adding on to, you know who we haven't had yet? 
which I think would Ooh. be a great villain. Hopper. Oh, Hopper hasn't been. Uh, this is the hard part. I'm trying to remember all the ones they've done because there's been so many. Yeah. So we get Hopper from Bugs Life. I would love to see. The, I can't remember his name, but the kid from Toy Story. Is it Clyde? Sid. Sid. I think Sid would be cool to do. And I don't know if this is doable, but could you do the whale from Pinocchio? Oh, that would be cool. Why is can't he a you? True villain? I mean, was he just a whale? Why not both? Well, what about the the guy who runs the circus? The, not the circus. The the place where all the kids go in Pinocchio. Oh, that could, yeah, that'd be an option. I just don't know his name, so he's probably not that yeah. iconic. <laughs> I I think the one again I'm trying to think of somebody who I'm pretty certain hasn't been done yet. Yeah. And one that I think would be really interesting from a gameplay perspective. And I think I talked about this last time we talked about it. I really would love to see Governor Ratcliffe from Pocahontas. Yes, he's a good one. I, I just think he could do some really interesting things uh, if you think about like building forts and walls and like trying to like dig up for gold. Like I think he could do some cool stuff. Yeah. Um. So that's the one I always go to. It's hard though because I can't, I always forget all the other ones that already exist and all the ones that There's are out so there. so many. That, I know that would be my pick as Governor Ratcliffe. I think that's a good pick. Nice. Okay, Kevin. Well, I hope you're satisfied. <laughs> uh, next question from Twitter at the Winter Gamer at the sorry underscore Winter Gamer. Um, Brendan Myers with his switch code and his handle. If you want to add him, and he says, "What techniques do you use to preserve your games?" I've got an expansion insert for Sagrada, and got card sleeves. I don't. If I'm gonna be honest. I don't sleeve my cards. Um, if I do anything to preserve games, I do get some inserts, like broken token inserts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have certainly traveled down the road of sleeved cards. I do have I do have some games like Ascension that are fully sleeved um, and legendary. I'm not opposed to sleeving at all. It makes a lot of sense to do that, but. Um, I don't, I'm not at a point where I play the same game so many times that I find that was necessary because I have so many games. Right. Um, so if you do look at the few games that you have sleeved, they are the games that got, uh, have incredible mileage on them. What about you, Kyle? So I used to sleeve stuff like mad. Uh, I used to sleeve a ton. Like every game that had cards got sleeves. Um, I mean, this was a a big thing that I used to do. And let me tell you, card sleeves get expensive. Oh, yeah. Real expensive, real fast. So if I really, really like a game, and I'm thinking back, like I think Pandemic is sleeved. Um, I think potentially my old, my like Dominion and a few of the expansions for Dominion are sleeved. Um, uh, Seventh Continent is actually sleeved, but that's just it came with the with the Kickstarter. But let me tell you though, putting those things in sleeves, oh boy, <laughs> that was a lot of that was over a thousand cards. Uh, so I'm not against doing it, and I used to do it a lot. It's just it's become it's so expensive to do. And then realistically, I think one big thing that makes board games different from things like Magic and other than that, of like how many times are you re- really going to play a game? Really, right. like if you even play it a lot, like how often are you going to play it? Whereas, like Magic, you know, if you go to FNM, you're shuffling 
I mean, every game, like if you're playing everything's best of three, you shuffle between everything. Every time you're drawing cards or like, you know, searching your deck, you have to shuffle again. Like you're shuffling constantly. Yeah. So in those situations, it makes sense to me. But even for board games, if you play them 20 times, how many times are you actually shuffling the cards in those games if it's not a deck builder? Yeah. And that would be the one time I might do it if it was a deck builder. I played a ton. Um, but other than that, I just I can't justify the cost for how little those cards actually get shuffled at this point. So agreed. Okay, sorry, Winter Gamer, if we didn't give you any help, but uh, sleeve if you must. Uh, Ed Delicious uh, chimes in. Splig says, "Blood Rage, Rising Sun, Ankh. I have heard it was just a set of three. If there were to be another, what mythology would you choose? Greek slash Romans played out. Can be fantasy slash video game if you're struggling. Ouch. No confidence at the end in us. Um, I don't think Greek and Roman is played out, though. So how dare you? <laughs> um, uh, if there was a trilogy, you want to do a trilogy of games and we can't do Century again, right? Um, uh, but I mean, when you say what mythology would you choose, obviously that goes to Greek and Roman. So I have to think outside the box on that uh, and that aspect of things. Um, I don't, I don't have a quick answer as far as like, like narrowing down um, like a storied trilogy of things, especially from the past. I'll say, I don't know that has to be a trilogy. Right. But if there were to be a fourth game added, oh, oh, is that what it is? I heard it was yeah, just like I think it's like, hey, we, since we have Blood Rage, which is Vikings, Rising Sun, which is oh, right, you right, know, right, yeah, yeah. Um, what if we? What if they did? Um, no, that wouldn't be good with this. This is a good like line of games. I would like to see a Mongolian game i would like to see a genghis khan war army style game not not that i would play it because like war games gaming is kind of out but i mean i think eric lang could probably make a game i would want to play out of genghis khan or the mongols i'm probably inspired by ghost of tsushima (laughs) (laughs) what about you did you do you have an answer for it so one thing that I would like to see more, and I, I think the it's a little challenging with these types of games because there are some things there where I think what I'm about to say is like very specific compared to these being a little bit more broad. Uh, but I would really love to see like an Inuit or some other like First Nations peoples like yeah take on because I think that is one thing that we really miss. Now one of the things that's hard about that is doing that in a way that's like legitimate and authentic and true to and accurate like that's gonna be hard yeah but i do think i there was uh was it never alone um the video game yes which i thought was amazing right like i think there are things that you can do and that can uh, be done well in a way that helps people learn and understand and grow their knowledge of um and still have a fun engaging game based in it so i think that would be a really interesting direction for them to go whether it be inuit or other first nations people of putting a game together um similar uh from that stand because they, they have a lot of really really cool interesting engaging um like creation stories and things in there and i think that would be a, a cool thing to to try to experience through a through a game yeah agree right 
Well, thanks everyone for the questions. We really appreciate it. Having you be part of the show is always awesome, and we we love to hear what you want to get our insights on or talk about and what your thoughts on those things are as well. So please reach out out to us at Board with VG on Twitter. Well, with that, we're going to go ahead and start rounding things up. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we do want to give you one recommendation or thing we're currently into that's helping us live a well-rounded life. Josh, what is your recommendation for our listeners this week? I'm going to cheat so hard on this one uh, because it doesn't happen very often. And I can co-sign on yours as well, which actually makes it another one for me. Um, I'm going to recommend four movies. What? Four? I know. This never happens. Oh, dang, Josh. Uh, okay. Certainly not in a week. And actually, I'm going to recommend three and a half movies. Um, Suicide Squad on HBO Max or in theaters if you're nasty. I use that joke twice now. Once for Kevin, once for theaters. Both nasty. Both not good for your health. <laughs> um, Suicide Squad, James Gunn's adaptation on the Suicide, uh, on Suicide Squad. This is the Suicide Squad. Um yeah, it was great. I mean, uh, it's very tongue-in-cheek, uh, not to be taken seriously, but also has a very um, strong tone and sense of itself, if that makes any sense to you. Um, and then you can liven it up with Vivo on Netflix, which is Lin-Manuel Miranda's singing monkey movie, <laughs> <laughs> which I actually thought was very good. Uh, we watched that with um, our son uh, over the weekend. He really liked it. The music was, we talked about the Lin-Manuel verse. This is in it. Uh, so if you like him, you'll like the songs and you'll like the, the movie. Uh, then I would recommend Val, the documentary on Amazon Prime. That is the Val Kilmer documentary done by him. Uh, I would say you have to be interested in Val Kilmer to watch this. But for me, someone who's always found him interesting, he really um, talks about his struggle with throat cancer and recovery, but he also talks about um, what it was like working on some of our favorite movies to watch him in. And I found out some interesting things about Batman and Tombstone and Top Gun and the Island of Dr. Moreau. There's like a lot of interesting things in it. Uh, And then finally, I would say The Green Knight is a movie I saw today. Um, It gets a half a recommendation because uh, it was weird and I didn't not like it, but I didn't quite grasp what was happening but not in the way it sounds like i say that to you knowing that it's not conveying how i feel but it's the closest (laughs) way to convey how i feel but going home and and my and greg who started with me he also agreed we both really didn't know what to make of what we saw but i went home and i read the synopsis of the original book that it is based off of and in that regard they nailed it they nailed that story. Um, so if you're familiar with Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, you would probably love this movie. If you like um, King Arthur tales or medieval journeys, you'll probably enjoy this movie to a degree. But it is the first movie I've seen in theaters in three years, so I figured I should at least half recommend it. <laughs> I was going to say, that is the most tepid 
endorsement of this movie I've heard because everyone else I've listened to or read about it they're over the um, moon loves it yeah, yeah. really really <laughs> enjoys it it's like a crazy like like almost I think it's like 88 percent of Rotten Tomatoes or something like that yeah it's it's up there it's up there um how is Dev Patel in it he's fantastic the acting is incredible uh and Alicia Alicia Vikander she's mm-hmm. inc- very good as well yeah, um, and A twenty four. I mean, in general, has made some banger films. Like they've, yeah, they've made some real good ones. So, <laughs> and the kid from that movie I made you watch isn't it? Uh the Colin Farrell movie. Oh, is he really? Yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah, and it's equally as troubling when he shows up <laughs> in the film. Not equally. That's crazy. It is troubling. Oh wait, when he the shows not the young kid, like the. Um, for, like the kid, the older kid who is causing the issue. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you meant the the younger guy, and I was like, really? Oh. Um, but never mind. Never mind. Okay. Well, <laughs> maybe I'm gonna have to go. Um, was it? Oh, crud. Barry. Uh, Keegan. Yeah. Keegan. Yeah. I think is that him. That's the name. I um, you probably pronounce it better than me. Uh, but yes. Uh, where's cast here? Oh, and Joel Edgerton's in it. Oh, yeah. Barry Barry Keegan. Um, and and yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say yeah, eighty eight percent of critics, fifty percent audience score. That tracks. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, awesome. Uh, I really am excited to watch Val though. It's on my short list. I'm hoping to watch it this week. So yes, I've heard very good things about that one as well. Uh, well, thank you for all of the three and a half recommendations, Josh. I was going to forget about it by next week. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my recommendation is only one thing, but I guess there's kind of eight things as part of Kinda, it. Slash yeah. four, four <laughs> things that are the new part. Um, and that is the movies that made us season two or part two. I guess it's weird to call it seasons, but it is technically. Yeah, it's seasons. It's, yeah. it's seasons. Uh, so the first season had four episodes. This season also has four episodes um, and four really awesome movies. Uh, Back to the Future, Pretty Woman, Jurassic Park, and Forrest Gump. Uh, so really interesting, fun, behind-the-scenes look at how these movies got made um, and kind of the impact that they had culturally and why we still love most of the movies they cover today still. So uh, really insightful, thoughtful interviews. Uh, if you haven't watched season one, I still definitely recommend that too because um, season one is Dirty Dancing, Home Alone, uh, Ghostbusters, and Die Hard. Uh, and it just is really interesting to think of the fact of, especially with those movies like, the fact that everybody thought Bruce Willis and Die Hard was going to be a horrible mistake. And now <laughs> yes. that we look back on that, we're like, that wasn't a mistake at all. But at the time, people were really nervous about that, you know. So uh, if you like movies at all, um, and even if you just want to watch the one specifically about the movies you like, go for it. But I would encourage you to, if you're not super necessarily interested in, in a certain movie, like still the, the episodes are still really, really interesting. Yeah, the Dirty Dancing one, I didn't think I would like but it was probably, oh boy, more fascinating than all of them. Yeah. <laughs> so as Josh <laughs> attempts to recover from his coughing fit, check it out. Um, like I said, Oof. like he was saying, even if there's a movie on there that you're like, oh, I wasn't a huge fan or, or not one you're super interested in, still check it out because it's just a super interesting, the way Hollywood works is just fascinating sometimes. So definitely Crazy. check it out. All right, Josh, with that, are you are you able to take us out or, or is this not going to work? Yeah, I'll do it. Uh, if I meet myself. 
in mid-sentence. It's because I'm dying. Uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you're not communicating the more long form, or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithvgi at gmail.com. It's the green night. The green night is coming for me. <laughs> <clears throat> we tag our stuff with hashtag boardwithvg, so please feel free to use that hashtag as well on all social medias. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSV... Oh, jeez. See how off I am? From the Dice Tower Network feed or our very own standalone board with video games feed. Woof. 199 episodes, you think? Can get this one down. <laughs> Eventually we'll uh, get there, Josh. Yes. I'm uh, giving up my plugs to plug us. Uh, episode 200 is next week. We haven't planned anything, which is fine. It's just another episode, really. But um, we would love it if you guys... Just send us send us an email or a tweet if you want to leave ask us a question or um, something you just want us to read on the show or whatever. Just uh, reach out, let us know, so we can get as much listener response as we can on next week's record. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me on all the usual places: Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross C Y C O C R O S S. As always, if you have suggestions, thoughts, comments, concerns, anything you would like for us to cover, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about, especially next week for episode 200. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.